You yeah. gonna work on the uh, watching watching that Man of Steel movie? Oh, I already did. Ah, oh, you you ruined. It. I was gonna say, oh, I watched this horrible disaster movie this weekend, and <laughs> I was gonna wait to see if you could guess what it was. Uh so so <laughs> so what do you think of that non-Superman movie? The whole time, I just kept telling myself, I cannot believe this is a Superman movie, just because. Okay, okay. Technically, it could work out as a Superman movie, just because the technology is has reached the point that we can now have epic battles. We you don't have to have like uh, Superman and Zod exchanging quips like they did back in 1981. Technically, they punched each other through the uh, through the Statue of Liberty, and it was actually quite epic. For the you know the thing is this I showed the Donner cut to a friend of mine mm-hmm. and he was surprised at how good the effects were of the battle. Yeah, huh. but it was just like this. This is ridiculous for Superman. Superman is not this dark. Rocking the dragon. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that. I'm like, this is like this is totally DBZ. Except for the thing. Except for you know Goku's like you know Vegeta. Let's not fight here. Let's fight in the middle of a desert, please. And yeah. I mean, f- fucking Goku, in a world where they have magic balls that bring people back to life, has more respect for the sanctity of life. Mm. More like he has more respect for the animators. That too, but... Yeah. Because, like, honestly, here it's just they wanted to show a city being destroyed because they had some major a- uh, Avengers envy. And the end of the movie comes, and it's like, oh, uh, Clark's going to join the planet. I'm like... I look at the planet set. I'm like, wait, aren't you guys like right in the middle of a disaster zone? What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it's like well, it's no, it's, no. The, the the planet was not destroyed. I know, you're, but you're like the city's mistaken. in ruins, isn't it? No, no, it's totally healed. It's totally it's, fine it now. Healed. Everything's it's, it's fine. It's a two mile crater in the middle of the city. It's they like, used the dragon balls to wish it back to normal. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they did because that's the only thing that makes any sense. And then what do you think? What do you think of the trucker scene? That that pissed me off a lot. Yeah, trucker that was. Scene? Did you make it a IHOP day right after the movie? No. His friend at the IHOP, you know, with his Nokia did phone sh- at the Sears with the like U-Haul every- truck. Like everyone from the '80s, like Jesus Christ, Sears. This Budweiser drinking alien. And what's another thing that's fucked up is like that that final scene with uh, with Zod and Superman. And how it's so contrived because he's 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 got Zod in a neck in a necklock and uh, these people are standing right there. Oh my God, we can't run or anything. Nope. We got to stand the, right here in total fear. And and the thing is, it's 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 such a because the thing is this: they were in space. They were in space, and Superman pile drived him into the train station. You know, and while they were in space, they could have gone anywhere else. I'm like. Why did they come down exactly right back where they were? In the like, train station with, with people versus like in the middle of a desert or something or any other spot. Or like or the fight in Smallville where, where Superman drags Zod from an unpopulated farm field into the middle of the city. Yeah, it's like you go up in space and you could land anywhere. You could Yes. In fact, just randomly throwing him down, you would probably you would you would probably land miles away from uh, I was at Gotham. Miles away from Metropolis, but no, he slammed it right back into the city for some reason. Because he's a sick fuck. Here's the movie for you, psycho. Again, it's like, don't tell me this is realistic and then do shit like that. Yeah. Because you're going to make me think about it the whole movie. Whereas, in, whereas Richard Donner, it's just like, this is fantasy, and you know, and then I totally buy it. I will, 
I will accept that there's a man who puts on a pair of glasses and I can't recognize him. Whereas in this very also he parts his hair the, the opposite direction as well. You know? Where in, whereas in this movie, that whole idea is just totally ridiculous. It's like, how does no one recognize this as a Superman in this universe? I mean, I, it's... I can't that... wait for Batman to kick this guy's ass. Come check out Comic Connoisseurs. Every week, we take a look at the comics that come out and have a roundtable discussion about an awesome comic topic. Want to join in on the fun? Tell us and you can be on the show. Check us out on iTunes and ComicConnoisseurs.com. It's action. It's drama. It's comedy. It's Decian, the superhero webcomic. Decian's got superhero antics and sexy girls. Read it now at Decian.com. D-A-S-I-E-N dot com. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Tonight we'll be talking about the brief preview we saw of the Family Guy Simpsons crossover, or more accurately, the Family Guy episode where they show up at Springfield. Uh, you know, of course know my co-host, TV's Mr. Neal. Ooba Dooba, friend. Also with us is Kitty Hawk. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> And like I said, the, the thing is, to, to call this a crossover, it, it kind of technically is, but at the same time, it really is done you know, by the Family Guy crew, by the Family Guy production team, yeah. by the Family Guy writers, and it is, you know, it's, and I think that for a crossover like this, there's a couple of things. Number one, it should have been done 10 years ago. Number two, it should have been done on on neutral ground it should be announced as a special an hour-long special without without either title being the dominating title of yeah, this crossover because uh I, I would have to say that even like cartoon all-stars to the rescue is more of a melding of styles than this is yes and neil's absolutely correct because the thing is when you have when when you do a crossover where you have a good example is when the critics showed up on the simpsons you know, the critic had its own style guide and its own rules. Like the critic had pinker human tones and a different, you know, a different eye theory. Yeah, but they still Simpsonized him for that episode. Very yeah. slightly, very yeah, slightly. No, no, he no, was yellow. Bit, no, he no, was yellow, was... but the thing is, his eye theory was still, you know, but they, they gave they, they, they gave him the, his... they gave him the Simpsons overbite and they. I know, they but kinda, they, his eyes were still far apart. That's the thing, is well, Simpsons' I mean, eyes they, overlap. No, they do that for, like, guest stars. Like, they don't give them quite Simpson eyes when, when you have guest stars on The Simpsons. True, uh, but they didn't draw them to look like Lyle Lovett. Okay, let me, I let, me show, say that, let me show you an example, okay? I want to like, say that there are Simpsons characters that aren't that don't have the overlap eyes. Yeah, like, I'm actually, I'm going to show you, like, how, this, is, this, this is the convention, um that is used for guest stars. Like they don't necessarily get the Simpsons eyes. They, uh, they get the small eyes. So they did Simpsonify him. I don't think any, like, I don't think with the Simpsons family guy crossover, any particular like side is like dominant. If you were going to say that about this, then you're going to have to say that the Simpsons was more dominant on the critic. And well, duh. Yeah. But I think, I think the part here is that, uh, the Simpsons, the way it's written, I think I think it's more of a writing style. I think yeah. it's more of the, the writing style that's obviously Family Guy, because Simpsons is very decompressed in how it's written. It's it has a lot of yeah. uh, it has a lot of breathing room, whereas Family Guy is just like rapid one fire. clip after another and like there's it's just like rapid fire jokes. 
and, and it's I think two different writing styles, and obviously this is the Family Guy writing style. And I, I think that obviously shows like who's dominant. If you want to talk about like dominance, like at the time that the Simpsons critic uh, crossover occurred, it was um, the Simpsons was more dominant. Nowadays, well, I would say Family Guy's more dominant. But I got to go back to the fam the all, all cartoon all stars to the rescue. The reason that there was a lot of consistency on that, a lot of the characters were anim animated by a, an Australian studio called uh, Southern Star. That's why it was produced in Australia. That's why there's an intro with Bob Hawk, is because there was an animation studio in Australia that was started to do work for American shows. So they didn't have, this was before they got into the whole Asian thing. Mm. Before they decided to use China, Korea, and Japan, they used Australia. So that's why the style is, is more like, they do a lot of different styles, is because they were doing a bunch of different styles mm. already. Whereas here, it's these these are animators that work on one particular show, and so of course it's going to look like that one show instead of we're doing like twenty different goddamn shows at once. Yeah, wasn't there so, a yeah. wasn't there a cartoon called The Secret World of Og that was like the first one that was done by by that Australian uh, studio? Yeah, yeah. They also yeah. did Drac Pack, and they did um, what else did they do? But yeah, that that's the reason that like they were able to do the different styles and stuff is because they were used to that. Whereas here it's like, if you ask the Simpsons animators to animate something, they're going to animate it like the Simpsons and family's guy is going to animate like family guy. That's, that's not always true though, because family guy has at times done and, and not yeah. very often, but they have at times done experimental animation. Like yeah, there was like, an episode where there was an episode where Brian was freaking out on mushrooms yeah, but that's 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 a totally different thing. That's for that's for an aside. Here, it's like, honestly, I think it's honestly a joke because it is sort of like they're doing it by the book. And family, if anything, Family Guy has been playing around with different like genres and things like that. Like they've been doing like movie more movie like plots recently. And I think that what they're trying to show is like how machine it is at this point. Both shows actually because. They, Honestly, are, every... they are both machined by now. That's the thing that sort of struck me is it's, 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 it's like assembly line work now, and the Kitty Hawk's absolutely right in that. It's just completely, you know, you know, just move it down the line, get things done. Yeah, and it, it's just, but that's just, that's how things are done these days. It's just that these two shows have reached their point where they've, they've become institutions. They're there because they're cheap. Like, Family Guy is so cheap to produce, they can just put it on, the advertising dollars pay for it. Same with The Simpsons. It's the only reason it's still on. It's why the uh, voice actors for The Simpsons had to take a pay cut, is because at this point, they have absolutely no leverage. And both shows are actually following into this. Like, Seth MacFarlane is trying to get as much as he can while he can, because he realizes that it will run out. That's why he's point. trying to make movies now. Yeah, and that also he's been he wanted to make the new Cosmos, and there were some other things that he wanted to do. Like even though Cleveland Show was a disaster, it was sort of part of that's this, being kind. Like, <laughs> I mean, but it is part of the the thing. He was trying to do an all in the family sort of thing, like have a bunch of spinoffs, which he did achieve. He got, and so that was performance art on a higher level. That's why I like him. He's he's like performance art on a higher level. He'll purposely do horrible things like family, like uh, American Dad, just and then that turns out to do well because people are stupid. Um, 
I don't get that because American Dad is just so bad. I mean, it's the see, thing American, is, well, it's the same thing as King of the Hill being popular amongst conservatives. It's that people don't realize that it was a joke. Like American Dad was a joke. It was a joke. Like we'll put this on Fox. It'll get canceled. Fuck you guys for canceling uh, Family Guy. Then it did well. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, that's my theory. King of the Hill had appealed more than to the conservatives. I mean, it, it had lots of it had lots of jokes on both sides of the aisle. I mean, especially there was an episode where where an yeah, Asian country club on, tried to bring to Hank in just so they could say, "Look, we have a, we have a white guy here." Yeah, but it was mostly, but most of the jokes were actually at the expense of working class Texans who don't know no better. It was that's why his other show, uh, Mike Judge's other show, um, The Goodings or something like that, whatever it was fucking called, the one about the liberal family, just didn't hit because unfortunately, like you can make a you can make a show that like liberals and conservatives can both laugh at because the conservatives laugh like they laugh at the lower jokes and the liberals laugh at the higher jokes. This is why like Colbert Report works. But like with this, the liberal show, it was sort of like we're making fun of liberals, which conservatives just get angry about. And then liberals are like, ha ha, I guess it's funny. But so it's really hard to do that dance. But if you do a show where you're making fun of conservatives, you're going to make everyone happy because usually they I don't say think retarded. that's true because Oblongs, no, I think they do, that, Oblongs was a piece of shit. shit. Okay, we're getting on a tangent here, but the thing is, the point of the matter, the point of the matter is. Yeah, I got, I got to say, I got to say, in Oblongs, the, I got to say yeah. one thing about Oblongs though. Oblongs yeah. is written like a piece of shit, but that was probably one of the few times I actually think Will Ferrell did a good job. The Oblongs yeah. was actually really good, um, and it got fucked over several times because of the topic. Of- I, I, I think, I think, I think the writing was very stilted. But like I said, I think, I think Will Ferrell was very reserved. Very well done as as a voice actor in that one. I, I, no, it was a, it was a good show. No, Oblongs was a good show. Um, I'm gonna. Well, say we, we can we can disagree about that, but uh, let's move back to this. I was making fun of fucking rich people, so I'm always good. So we're talking about other shows. Should we bring up the the other cameo that occurred? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Bob's Burgers oh. out. They're like, uh, he can't he can't fly in his own, so we have to carry him. And then they're like, look what happened to that guy, and it's Cleveland, and he crashes. I was really disappointed that it wasn't the critic. Like, I'm a complete failure, and then he crashes into his nightclub or something. Except that, like, we, I think we mentioned this before, that, like, um, no one would know who the critic is at this point. Yeah. Exactly. The thing is, early Simpsons, if you listen to the commentary, the commentaries for the for the Golden Age of Simpsons are hilarious to look, listen to because there's a, a season three or four episode of The Simpsons where they have The Simpsons watching dinosaurs. Yeah. And the Simpsons are laughing at it. They actually think it's an entertaining show, and they and they say it's it's like someone looked into our lives and stole and stole our lives and put it on television. Which is what and, dinosaurs was. And the thing is, the 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 executive producer and the writer of that episode is has a commentary track and he says no one understands this joke now. Yeah, well, it's not the only time they've done something like that. I mean, remember the graveyard gags, or it was like Fish Police and all these other terrible yes. shows. Yeah, yeah well, Critic, Critic is kind of like Fish Police now. Well, Capital I think critters. it's also just they, they really shouldn't worry. Or they're worrying about it now because the show's been on for like how many years now? Like since I, I know, but I'll just say that that one commentary track was hilarious to me because there's just the deadpan of that writer saying, no one understands this joke now. Yeah, and that's the reason that The Simpsons should be canceled. 
I'm sorry. I have to say it. Like, I'm sorry. No, it should look, be. It's, yeah. it's, it's been a zombie When you look back years. at shit and then you start to say, oh, my God. And that's why they can't show certain, they can't show the early Simpsons anymore, even though those are the good episodes, because it's like full of shit that people don't understand. Like, oh, no, beta. Like, no one understands that joke anymore. Like, even like boomers, some boomers don't even understand that joke anymore. Like, I had a conversation with a boomer. I mentioned Betamax, and they looked at me like, what the hell's Betamax? I'm like, oh, my God, you lived through that. <laughs> I was, like, I was, like, barely aware at that point, and I know what Beta is. But, yeah. You, so, you want to hear something, you want to hear something funny? Mm. What? Betty White lived through the AIDS before sliced bread. Yep. All right, and uh, John McCain is older than, than the chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> No, I think that's a point that needs to be made. Like when when you start to say things like, "My God, that joke makes no sense anymore." Maybe maybe you should start thinking about that. That maybe you've been on the air too long. Yeah. Well, the same could be could apply to Family Guy because. Uh, well, I actually Family Guy that, actually no. aged faster. Yeah, but 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 he burned out faster just because he understood that you gotta burn it and then just make money. He understood the making money part, whereas the Simpsons, like, well, the problem, the problem is, is that like he came second, so he understood that if he could get to a, a certain point, the syndication was like secured, then he'd be gold forever. That show would just run for forever. I do like the joke. I think it was in the multiverse, one of the multiverse episodes, where they go to the future. Like, no, it was not a multiverse episode. It was like they were using the time transporter and they go to the future of family guy and it's done in 3d shitty 3d and and they're like wow the production values have certainly plummeted and they're like yeah well when you're on season 13 you don't give a shit anymore and it's like really shitty and i like that because and also dilbert made that joke too like early in the run that by like i think he said like 1998 it would be done by mexican children <laughs> but no one would notice the difference. Well, it's you know, true. But but back to back to uh, other things about this crossover. Um, one thing I gotta say is I think that, uh, and we talked about this when we did an earlier boarded version of this episode. Is you know, the the shots are framed like a Family Guy episode. Shots are framed because oh. Seth MacFarlane has a uh, has a theater background, so Family Guy is traditionally whenever they compose a scene, it's composed like a theater scene where think about last time you were at a theater or think about ever seeing a theater. Uh, I don't think a the, lot of people have actually. <laughs> well, then they need to go and get some culture, but uh, no, last time I was at the theater. Okay. I'm going to, this is a little aside. Last time I was at the theater, fucking bullshit. Anyway, let's go, keep going. I, that was a joke, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, the point remains is, uh, Seth MacFarlane, theater background. That's just his background. But, uh, when you set up a play, when you set up the props and the set for a play, the world you set up for is very flat because you don't want the actors to move in too many different planes of existence yeah. because everyone in the theater has to see the actors and everyone in the theater has to see all the important props. So everything is laid out very flatly. You have a table. You have one thing on the table. You have... You have a desk behind that, and only one thing on the desk. And but every but the desk isn't directly behind the table; it's more skewed, where where there's only a one fourth in overlap. This is how this is how a this is how a play set is is laid out. 
Yeah, it's also fast to 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 pick up, but here it's just sort of like let's just but, get the scene going. Yeah. And uh, this is how this is how a Family Guy episode is shot. It is is laid out in the, for animation. This is how the backgrounds are laid out. This is how the action is laid out. It's laid out left to right, where you have Peter Griffin walk into a door from the left and move to the right. And he yeah. does everything in one motion. He does he doesn't walk back and forth. He walks from the left to the right because that's easier to understand. That's easier to use. And and the thing is, you are watching this episode of uh, you know these five minutes, and you see lots of these sorts of flat tricks. You see the downtown Springfield Main Street. You see the Androids Dungeons comic book shop, but you see it at an angle that you have never seen it shot from from a Simpsons episode because the whole street is flat. The only t- the only few times that the uh, that the Family Guy animators ever, you know, forego the flatness is usually a chicken fight, and uh, so what you have here is there's a scene also where they go to the uh, Quickie Mart, yeah, and the Quickie Mart is also laid out very flatly. While in several episodes of The Simpsons, the thing is, the fans of the show early on for the first seven or eight seasons were able to get startling numbers of uh, of dimensions for the Simpsons house, the quickie Mart, Mr. Burns's office, et cetera, et cetera, because all the, you know, for the first seven or eight seasons, the animators, and they had good animators back then. They had Brad bird working on this show shot. Every time, every time someone walked into a a door building, you know, it was composed like it was a movie shot. They're like, Oh, let's move the camera all the way up at the top of the ceiling, looking down. Or let's, also, go, let's shoot behind Apu's shoulder when someone walks in the Quickie Mart, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you have to also say that, like, back then, animators... Well, they weren't paid as... Well, okay, they say that they weren't paid very well, but, like, comparatively, they were paid a lot better. There was also a lot more production value back then. That's what true. We're really, what we're really focusing... What we keep hitting against is basically... And we kind of focused this on the Salem and Crystal episode... Production values have fallen, and like it's really intelligent the way that the that Family Guy does it, doing it for really cheap, like having cheap, like like theater like sets. That's very quick, easy, fast. It's more about the writing, because at this point, well, <laughs> your budget's very small, and the most of the money goes towards like the higher ups, not for towards the animation. So, this is what we have. And it's it's a good use of the money. It really is. I really did appreciate that the Simpsons they had Bibles, they had entire like layouts of places and things like that. And I'm, it's really sad when you think about that. Like you you look back at like the Simpsons, like how well laid out it is, and then you look at like modern cartoons, and it's like ah fuck it. Um, Rainbow Dash is going to learn how to do the Sonic Rainbow for the third time. Whatever. Didn't we do that already? Or um, there's now an extra bedroom in this house. How does that fit? <laughs> like, I, one of my favorite things was like, oh, this is a little side, but on uh, Big Bang Theory, someone um, mapped out how all the rooms could work in Big Bang Theory. And it's like, turns out to be like this like star shaped thing. Like, it looks like a crown of thorn stars because it's just, it doesn't work. And that's the, that's the thing. Like they laid it all out. And by the way, guy, I hate big... no, no. Actually, Family Guy is laid out now that I think about it, because yeah. it's 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 just basically uh, Pawtucket. Because I can actually, when I'm watching Family Guy, 
they actually do have landmarks in the right place. Because I was noticing that while we were there, I was like, oh my God, that's a, we're in Pawtucket and the skyline looks exactly the same. Yeah, and I have to say that the house is does have a layout because they, they do yeah. a pretty good job of keeping that consistent. Yeah, but everything else they don't give a shit about because, like, who cares, you know? No one cares. Yeah, like the, the what was that, the, the drunken clam? Yeah, yeah. like I don't, I don't know I don't know how the inside of that thing I think it's it's the bars on the left the bars on the right I don't I don't get it I think the bars on the left but it's really unclear and like I said like they do make jokes about it in Family Guy like if you don't like it you can go on the internet just basically <laughs> saying like we're not here for consistency like that's not what this show is about I mean it's like it's admirable that the Simpsons animators did it but it was a different time unfortunately they actually thought like we're building something and like i said i just think that this if it was done 10 years ago and if it was done like as a neutral title it would have been something a little bit more i don't i don't get what or, you mean by like neutral title because like you, i think it's pretty representational of both well like i said the i think it's more the writing style not the animation style that gives yeah, the way okay. that it's family guy i was thinking like what if what if like it was a two-part episode and like one half was done by done by family guy and the other half is done by simpsons or or you do it like like a like a jimmy timmy power hour yeah. oh god the thing is that <laughs> let, let me just say but honestly, that would be ex- but that would be the jimmy though. the jimmy neutron team was carrying the timmy team yeah. carrying through both parts and it's very obvious i don't know i i've never been down on on uh on fairly odd parents as much as you have although I do think that Butch Hartman's later work is just atrocious. Yeah. Fairly Odd Parents is like, it's the best thing he's ever done. It's okay. I mean, it's it's not like <laughs> something I would actively seek out to watch, but it's not like offensive or anything no. like that. Um, but I, I get what you're saying about like having like both sets of animators do it. And that would actually really be cool. But let's be honest, at this point, there are no animators over The Simpsons. It's really honestly, Computers. it's like a. I I think it's like a Sims game. Like you know, they they set it and it just does its own thing. Again, because that's how an episode of The Simpsons feels like. It really honestly feels like we're just sort of rambling through things. Because I've been I watched a recent episode and I it didn't even resolve. It just sort of just floated through jokes, references to old episodes, and. Look, I read this on the internet five years ago. It's hilarious. And that's what a Simpsons episode is now. And Family Guy is sort of now like, we'll just have interstitials and uh, and sort of a plot. So I think they just threw a coin up in the air and said, heads, it's Family Guy, tails, it's Simpsons. And well, I, I think it was always going to be a Family Guy episode. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was pitched by the Family Guy team. Oh, d- yeah, definitely. I think Seth MacFarlane would want that in his, you know, that feather in his crown because that's definitely he did get an episode of The Simpsons. So he was happy about that. I know. So who knows? I mean, well, it's probably not going to be good. I honestly believe all the footage we've seen. It's like the best of the best. If it's even in there, because there could be, because it could honestly just be test footage, because the Family Guy people do that sometimes. They'll release Don't worry, something. they'll use those jokes later. They always find. Oh, they'll jokes. use them later, but I mean, like they're testing <laughs> you, seeing what you like. But I honestly think, like, it's like we said on the original recording, it's like Freddy versus Jason. You'll go see it anyway, even if it's too late, because it's Freddy versus Jason, and this is Simpsons versus Family Guy, so 
You want to watch it. You know you are. Don't deny it. Yeah, if I'm not busy that Sunday. You'll watch it though. You'll watch it. I know it. I'll see it some way or another. It's like it's like it's like everything like this. You know, you say, Oh, it's gonna be terrible and then you watch it anyway, and you're like, Oh, it's terrible. I guess. You're going to I mean that's so, the thing. Which Simpson is gonna die? Yeah, really. Yeah, they aren't doing that. I mean I mean family guy barely got away with that. No, I'm pretty sure that the Simpsons, it's not going to be a cop-out the way Family Guys was. I'm pretty sure they're going to bump someone off. But They already bumped off, like, the thing is this, when they bumped off Maud, they didn't even ask the voice actress that played her. They basically, they, they were basically like, you know what, she has to drive 90 minutes to record an episode. Let's just kill her. And, <laughs> and, and she was like, what the hell, guys? Well, I mean, getting rid of dead weight. She had to go back That's to her home planet. Was. Yep. Animation business is cruel. Yep. And, it's out, uh, they're, so they're going to kill someone off in The Simpsons? Yeah, it's been hyped for about a year now. Okay, I thought that was fake. So, yeah. But it sounds like a voice actor wants to wants to retire. That could be. No, I mean, like, Krabappel was actually going to retire, but then she died. Yeah. yeah Krabappel's so, dead? Yeah. Well, the, the, the actor is. The voice, act- and they, the voice they re- actress is. They retired Krabappel because of that. Wow, I haven't watched it in a long time. I didn't even know that. I heard about yep. it. I didn't actually see the episode where they retired her, but like it, it's obvious that like the cast is getting older, mm-hmm. and probably one of them is like, "Look, I can't keep doing this." <laughs> well, yeah. this explains why they didn't do but that I'm episode with Casey Kasem. But I'm wondering who who's going to be because like. Could it be Marge? Because she's only like four characters on the show. Yeah. Now that uh, now that you mentioned that, like it's got to be it's got to be someone who only does like one or two characters. And that would be Lisa. That's Lisa, uh, Marge, and Bart. Yeah, that'd be kind of dark. They, if it was Lisa, so yeah, it's got to be. It can't I, be the kids. I, it's not going to be. It's not going to be Bart, and it's not going to be Homer. I'm putting my money on either yeah, Lisa it can't or be Marge. Homer either. Yeah. Dan Castanella, I can't see him walking away from that show. Yeah, if he walked away, they'd be like, well, we're done. That's that's the end of The Simpsons, basically, because it came the Homer show. Um, and it started as the Bart show. Yeah, well, because Bart is Matt Groening, and so... And, uh, yeah, Bart had a sister named Lisa and a sister named Marge yeah. and a mother named mother. Marge and a, and a, home, a father named Homer. Yep. Uh, but so I think it's honestly it's and a grandfather probably, named Abraham. Yep, put it all in there. Yes, I think it is going to be Marge. I think it will be. And the art style is based off of Life in Hell. Yep, they were going to do Life in Hell, but he was smart and he didn't let them have it. Yeah. Never let them have it. Give them something else. The Zuda Code. Well, I mean, like we've seen what happens. Like, well, I know people personally that have had their shit stolen, so. Anyways, I think we're sort of winding down on this one. So, uh, so yeah, it's coming up, and uh, I'm a little disappointed that this wasn't just done a decade ago. So, this show's Ben. We have TV's Mr. Neal. And Kitty Hawk of Sparkling Generation, Valkyrie Yuki, SGBY.com, your one-stop shop for sexy fun. We're saying goodnight. Night! Bye.
It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on geekcastradio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe News, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding kind of sometimes chuck makes fun of himself right and we okay seriously this is just getting ridiculous now it's what's on joe mind every week on the geek cast radio network inside pulse.com stitcher smart radio and itunes download and listen today i suppose i still can't say something about transformers can i good no what about sports that sounds good yeah that's all right Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. And now, back to the show. Oh boy, turtles sucked. Sorry. The actual personalities of the four turtles was okay. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. But I think they explained some elements that they shouldn't have explained and undid some of the elements they shouldn't have undid. Yeah. I have a theory that there's a difference between writing and plot uh, structure. It I think like there is. It sounds like it's the plot that's the problem here. Whereas the writing, I I saw from some of the uh, from some of the ads, like the way the turtles talked was actually kind of amusing. Like uh, like April did 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 the whole so your teenage mutant ninja turtle or something like that. She she somehow got the title of the of the movie in there. And then yeah, Don, the words, Don, but they were in Don tells as well. It sounds stupid when you put it that way. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's a great line. <laughs> but otherwise. It, and the actual people doing the voice of the turtles, they are good, and the personality of the to- turtles are good. It's just, uh, are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording. Okay, because I because this might be useful material. Yeah. Even though next time I'm at a convention, Fez might be screaming at me about, man, you're wrong about this, this, and that. I'm like, just shut up, Fez. Go go well, back I, to I needed, sucking Lewis's I needed, cock. I needed bonus audio anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's Amazing Spider-Man, but with the Turtles. And let me put it this way, is uh, everybody's connected again. The Turtles were created for a destiny. You know, they have destiny blood. Literally, their their blood has like a cure to something, just like Peter Parker's blood did in Amazing Spider-Man. I fucking hate that. It's it, like, I, I kind of have something like that, but I, I've like pretty much ignored it. <laughs> I don't remember Dawson having. Oh, like oh, well, she very, does have the. She the does very, have the very first page. It was like, it was like this was this was something destined for for greatness, and it's like totally forgotten. Well, it's not like you have Dawson having like the cure to AIDS in her blood. And she's like, oh, okay, no. I'm gonna cure AIDS for all mankind with my with my destiny blood. So, 
first of all is April O'Neil raised the turtles as like pet turtles and Splinter as like a pet rat That's when she was a child. And they were lab they were lab animals that were given the the green ooze as lab animals. Her father gets killed by the shredder. She breaks into the lab after her father starts a fire to destroy all the research. She saves the, the rat and the turtles and throws them into a storm drain to save them from the fire. They grow up in the sewer and Splinter finds a book on ninjutsu and becomes a ninja master from reading a book. And see, this is the part that that's the part that actually pisses me off the most because the whole thing is you sort of lose the whole Master Yoshi thing. You know what this reeks of? This is like grad school writing. It's like it it's it's almost okay except that it had to be April. It's like it, it this this origin would be fine if if it was just like oh there was once this lab and this lab assistant saved these pets from a from a horrible fate and they fell into a sewer and that's how they became the ninja turtles. And then some someone's teacher said, "Okay, but who is this man?" How does he connect to the story? And then the writers was like, oh, well, I suppose it could be April. God damn it. <laughs> it's, it's like that kind of writing. Where something has to connect, where there has yeah, to be connecting like... elements. The thing is, the way Eastman and Laird did the Turtle origin, and pretty much everyone else did after them except for this movie, is it was an accident. It was an accident. They th- This wasn't meant to happen, but it happened. Because that's pretty much how the comic book happened. This was an accident. This wasn't supposed to be a runaway hit, but it was. And to, to go with this whole Destiny bullshit just sort of hurts it because, in my mind, okay, you have the green news. That turns the turtles into humanoids. Okay, yes, I get it. Okay, cool. Yes, love it. I'm okay with that because it's green news. It's like, oh, it's the, it's the MacGuffin. It's the green news. The part that I can't believe is Splinter becoming a Master Ninja from reading a book. Well, to be honest, I found like almost every origin of splinter kind of suspect well to me i like the idea of him being master yoshi's pet and him through miming master yoshi's movements becomes a ninja master because that's more believable to my mind of someone who has actually academically studied martial arts but and it to me it's that because in the original eastman and laird uh, story the turtles you know splinter already knew martial arts and the turtles were named from Master Splinter fishing out an old book about Renaissance painters. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the opposite, where the turtles were named by April because the name of the project that they were doing to with the ooze is called Project Renaissance. And I can hear you sighing already. And yeah. and Splinter learns the ninjutsu from a book. It's like they flip-flop those two things, and I, that, that sort of bugs me because, like I said, is this whole thing is is where, where's the connection? Because with because Shredder, Shredder's the villain. Shredder is the evil ninja villain. So they should connect Shredder to the turtles more so than April to the turtles. Yeah, because they're two like they're two opposing ninja clans, and the part about Shredder killing Master Yoshi sort of ties that together a lot neater than this whole Project Renaissance, their April's, pet, their April's pets from when she was a child. Right. And, okay, so the movie's going along, and part of the thing I hate is the fact that the turtles are fucking, like, seven feet tall. 
They're huge. And, and the thing is, I always liked them when they were like, you know, about, you know, five, you know, five foot, you know, tall at most, you know, because mm-hmm. they're supposed to be small. They're supposed to be agile. But now they're huge and they're strong enough to throw around con- shipping containers and they're bulletproof. You have a shot where, where, where they're shooting Raphael with bullets and the bullets are hitting his like his forward chest plating and he like grunts and they bounce off of his chest plating. Superman style. Okay. And then the other trolls go, Hey man, we're bulletproof. Cool dude. It's like, oh God. It, it's because the thing is, okay, why are they ninjas? If they if they're strong enough to throw around shipping containers and they are bulletproof, why do they have to be ninjas now? They they could pretty much just you know run and punch things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like why are they ninjas? It's it's like <laughs> you sort of took out the reason why they were ninjas because before they 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 you know they they needed something to give them an advantage. And now that it's like they already have this huge ass physical advantage of like physical strength and bulletproofness and stuff like that. It's like What's with the ninja thing now? It's like, ugh. And like I said, the, the whole plot is basically like Amazing Spider-Man, where you have the Shredder has this plan to use the top of a building to spray toxins all over the Earth, just like the lizard had in Amazing Spider-Man, spraying his lizard potion all over the, the New York with the tower. Exactly the same thing. Except the Shredder was gonna like get the cure for this disease and all diseases from the turtle's blood, and that's gonna like make him have like a uh, a financial advantage over like stuff. Is there a scene where the turtles have to swing across the city <laughs> from cranes? There, no, they did something worse. There's a scene where they had to get across the city by traveling down a mountain. <sighs> Oh, and then they they traveled across the city, underneath the city, by sliding on their shells through sewer tunnels. It's like toboggans, but on shells. And then you have this scene where the turtles beatbox in an elevator. Yeah, I've seen that. That's actually not as offensive as you think it is, but... uh, Yeah, it seems to be like, even, even among people who hate the movie, it seems to be like everyone's favorite scene. It's not my favorite scene, but I'm just saying that it's it's like well, it's not. Offensive. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah. If they're teenagers today, I guess they beatbox and yeah, okay, it's okay, fine. I'll give them that. And then they have uh, at the end of the movie, the turtles create their own uh, battle van, except it's a Mini Cooper. Hmm. Okay. And all four of them are supposedly able to fit in it. These and all turtles who are also like, you know. Maybe a hundred inches around. I don't know, but they're fucking huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're super tall, and they have and they have uh, shells, which makes them really bulky. Yes. And even without the shells, they're super bulky. Well, the thing is, this is they look like they're four different turtle species, don't they? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that always bugged me is they, you know, I get the idea that they should look different, but they shouldn't look that different from each other. They're supposed to be brothers. And, and. Well, it's just it just gets really stupid because uh, because uh, well the shredder falls from the top up top atop this uh, giant spire into the ground and it's like he survived it of course he's just groaning like groan oh and uh, his his weapons he has like all these blades that pop out of his uh, claw out of his fists 
mm-hmm. and he uses like magnets to bring them back into his fist. So like they're flying blades. It's like Cut Man. Okay. Except stupid. I don't know. It's is there a better reference than Cut Man? I don't know. No, Cut Man's a little old school. <laughs> a- anyways, um, it it just it just feels kind of ridiculous and. Uh, and uh, Mikey is like hitting on April every second. Yeah, I heard that. And it's it's unco- it's uncomfortable. It's weird. It's like okay, you can stop now. It, it I just don't like it. It's it it makes me want to watch the uh, 2003 series again. Get the taste out of my mouth because it, it just doesn't feel like turtles. I mean, you know what? It's like the thing is also the people who designed them. I, I can get some of the design choices, you know. Okay, I get it, you know, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but don't throw all this shit on them, because like way over designed. It's like it's like it's like uh, Leonardo has a New York Yankees uh, pin on his on his lapel, and he has a, and uh, Raphael has like his his duct tape all over his shell, and uh, and uh, oh my god, uh, Donatello, he has like all this computer shit. On his shell, not just like a little bit. It's like it's like he has like a full computer and a radio and shit like on his shell, plus all the shit on his head. Yeah, and that's why I was saying early on he they were so way they were way over designed because he, he's like the worst example just because he's got the glasses, he's got like he's got some sort of binoculars on top of the top of the sides. He's got he's got like uh, earbuds. He's got an antenna on his shell. He's got. I, I knew he had like other stuff back there, but it was hard to spot from the, from the trailers. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And the thing is, this is uh, they actually have lots. A lot of their blood drained from them uh-huh. in this one scene. And uh, you know what the cure to being drained of blood is? Um, it's what? not putting the blood back in, which is right there in the tank. Then they could like say, okay, well, let's just inject their blood back in them and see if that helps them. No, it's not that. It's injecting them with adrenaline. What? And I'm like, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Yeah, that's just that's just stupid. <laughs> I mean, if you could say something like, okay, well, let's take them out there and like, you know. Like I said, if, if, even if it's like, okay, let's hit the reverse button, like pump the blood back in them. And because it's magic mutant blood, then that like revives them or something. But because they made a big deal about their blood having the mutagen in it. And I was like, if they did that, I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. But but no, it's like, no, let's inject them with, with adrenaline. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's like, it's not even like a little bit of adrenaline. Like, like you have April hitting this button to like increase the dose of adrenaline. It like goes three times, four times, five times, six times, ten times, twenty times. The what a normal adrenaline dosage is. I'm like, no, doesn't work that way. <laughs> I mean, if I if I had to say one thing that I actually did like about the movie. It was the intro credits did like a very rough comic book style like series of panels. In it wasn't Eastman's art, but it was an Eastman esque style, and that was probably the best thing about the movie because you know Megan Fox cannot act. Well, we knew that. Whoopi Goldberg's in the movie. Why? Well, she is the editor of Channel Six News. And 
So April O'Neil's job at Channel 6 News is to do, like, fluff pieces, like uh, aerobic exercises, jumping on a uh, trampoline. Okay. And there's this whole subplot about how she wants to be a serious journalist, and that's ignored once they start having the turtle action, because it's like, oh, well, she can't reveal the story about the turtles, even though if she did, she'd totally get her job back. So there's no, like, compromise of, okay, how does she get her job? She, she doesn't get her job back. Okay, is she going to open up an antique store? No, they don't say. It's it's like they forgot several subplots. There's this, like, really sleazy guy that's, like, the, the van, like, the news van driver slash camera operator that works for her. Yeah, wasn't that the Vern character? Yeah. And his whole thing is he's trying to hook up with her. And... She, I'm she not sure why they use that character for that because in the cartoon, Vern was just kind of like the sleazy guy who, you know, kind of the uh, the smarmy reporter who, you know, like no one really liked, but wasn't really a bad guy, but wasn't really like uh, a good guy either. Yeah, he was, he, just like, he was just April. A he was just the dude. Yeah, he's just the douche. Dude, <laughs> but know, anyways, <laughs> anyways, uh, this this guy he actually was a hero. Mm-hmm. Because he stopped the bad, the bad scientist guy from doing some bad science things. He actually gets shot in the shoulder and, 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 and stops the guy. And he gets nothing. He gets nothing for, for actually being a good guy. He, he stops the bad guy. He gets shot in the shoulder, stopping the bad guy from shooting April. And the, the best that happens is, okay, he buys a new car because the van was trashed. And then... Michelangelo blows up his car with a missile at the end of the movie. And and this guy's just standing there like, my car! Oh my car. It's like, I actually feel bad for this character because it's like, okay, he actually went out of his way to save April. He got fucking shot. He has no mutant powers. And he risked a lot more than any of these other characters did. And he doesn't even get like a kiss on the cheek and his car gets trashed. And, of course, we're supposed to find it funny because this guy was hitting on her earlier. But, you know, like I said, he actually manned up and did something. It's like, it's like, you know, it, it's like, okay, so so this guy actually manned up. He did something noble. And you're still going to, like, shit on him because he, he was using lame pickup lines at the beginning of the movie? <laughs> I know. It, it doesn't sound like I'm just. I think that I'm thinking a little bit too much about this. Or do you, do you agree with me? I, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's exactly like the whole trucker thing from Man of Steel, because that's way fucking out of line. And people who defend that is just like, no, that's just wrong. I mean, <laughs> uh, so Neil, let's talk about that video you sent me. Oh yeah, well. I had, like, this whole thing I wanted to say about it, but I think I'm just going to cut it down to, like, a Reader's Digest version. Basically, uh, the happy console gamer, Johnny Millennium, had done this video about this Kickstarter that that, uh, Harmony Gold was doing. They were going to do a pilot for a new Robotech series. It wasn't even, like, it wasn't even a fundraiser for a series. It was just for the pilot. And he was like, don't support Robo, er, don't support Harmony Gold because this is the reason why we can't get Macross. You know, Harmony Gold, oh, like, uh, they basically control Macross, and they, they kind of shut everyone out from, like, bringing Macross over here. This is why we don't have uh, Do You Remember Love? That, it was basically along that line. And then this other guy kind of chimes in, and 
God, I already forgot what this guy's name is, but he looks like a total douche. He's like this neckbeard idiot. He's like he well, is a total douche. Let, let, let's be fair, he is because he has a persecution complex that matches most feminists on Tumblr. Yeah, he yeah he really internalized like everything. First of all, he's like, why why do Macross fans gotta hate on Robotech fans? I'm like, there was no hate on Robotech fans, and. Okay, part of what he says was technically correct, just because uh, uh, the the licensor for for the original Macross, uh, which was uh, Tatsunoku, they they only own the rights to that one series, and therefore uh, Harmony Gold only has the rights to distribute the original Macross series. They have no other claim to any other macross anywhere see what happened was that there had been a big lawsuit between tatsunoko big west and studio Nue because tatsunoko had originally licensed macross to harmony gold thinking that they owned the franchise and the lawsuit determined that they only own the original macross show and all of the mech and character designs as well as any future installments in the franchise all fell to big west so as a result Harmony Gold only holds the distribution rights to the show and literally nothing else. And so this neckbeard Robotech guy portrays it like nobody knows this, but the reality is everyone knows it. It's actually one of the big criticisms against Robotech is that they're not even allowed to create new content using Macross characters or vehicles, and yet the Macross name is kind of held hostage by a trademark that Harmony Gold holds. So technically, if somebody wanted to bring out uh, do you remember love? They're free to do so. However, uh, Harmony Gold does own the trademark for Macross in America, and that's where the problem is. They can't call it Macross. Do you remember love? Yeah, they, they, it would be like you, you would have to call it something else, and that's basically that's basically how uh, Harmony Gold has their hands in the pot. It's like even though they can't really do anything about the other Macross shows they can still kind of say, hey, you know, we're involved with this because we own Macross as a trademark. And it gets into kind of, it gets into my annoyance of how people get like trademark and copyright mixed up. And it, and this is why it's kind of important to know the distinction between these two, two things, because, you know, trademark just means they have the name, whereas like copyright would mean like the, the franchise. The substance. Yeah, the substance of it. So that's basically it. Like this, this other douche, I, I don't even remember. It's not... You can you can probably find it if you really wanted to look for it. It's like I don't remember the name of the video, but it was in response to uh, Johnny Millennium's "Don't Support Harmony Gold" video. And there, there, there's things that he gets wrong too, because the thing is this: I'm not going to diminish what Carl Masick did no. in in what he did to create Robotech out of three series that were only kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit related, kind of, and not at all. Exactly. Well, the, they they all had robots in space. Yeah, and one and was, that was about it. One was heavily edited because it didn't even take place on Earth, and the other one was just a straight up uh, rip off of Macross anyway. But the thing is, this for 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 him to say that what he did was was a superior product is a bit of a lie because it's just a different product. And even as Neil said, the ending of Robotech actually makes Rick Hunter out to be this monster. <laughs> it really does. It's like, uh, even when Carl Masick was kind of cornered with it, he, he kind of thought, he's like, look, I don't want to open Pandora's box here. <laughs> Just because it's like, if you really, if you really try to break it down, it, Rick Hunter's like, okay, nuke the earth. 
<laughs> and you know, even if he thinks like Earth is a lost cause, that's a pretty monstrous thing to do. Yep. Because you know, I think it was, they plainly knew that Earth was fine. And in fact, that's kind of like the subplot of the third arc is that the the Invid are uh, they they actually like resuscitated the Earth and like uh, and like made it habitable again. In, in both versions, not not just uh, the Robotech version, which you know has the Earth being wiped out. Like in the in the uh, in the Mosfita version, it's like uh, it's like your typical global warming thing. It's like well, the Invid came along and yeah, they took over the Earth, but they also fixed the climate. So that's kind of what that was about. And then, in fact, the, I think the point of the of the Mosfita ending is that the Earthlings are dicks and and the Invid was just there to help, and they were like peace out assholes, we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was the ending. But if you flip flop it and make the Earthlings the good guys, then you know, then it, yeah, it really makes Rick Hunter look like a monster. Yeah, like I said, is you know this, you know, I'm not going to diminish what what Carl Masick did, and I I think that to to judge him because he was put in a, in a rough spot is is you know we we have to judge him fairly. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, to say that the the Robotech as it was was this pro- perfect flawless product that's superior because of the fact that he created all three se- series in the one is a bit of a lie. And also mm-hmm. saying that all the additional comics that came up afterwards, the crossovers with with Voltron, are any good? It's like no, because the thing is, this is Robotech near the end of it as Neil aptly points out started suffocating under the weight of its own force continuity mm-hmm. and and adding more shit on top doesn't help yeah there was never a clear uh definition of what uh protoculture was and I'll, I'll i'll go as far as to accept that the comics are probably pretty good but at the they same time well okay but <laughs> to think it for someone who's read a couple they aren't <laughs> okay well so it's like that that series is just such a mess and i don't know, I'll, I'll i had i had an idea here i'll come back to it if i if i kind of if i can get get it kind of reformulated again okay well like i said the the point i'm trying to make is this, this is another point of a fanboy who grew up on something and, and you know it's great to grow up on something and love it because that's what makes people you know, passionate about doing fiction and looking at fiction and just it, just being a part of fiction. But the, here's a case of someone who's taken love into obsession into dogma, where he believes that that his version, the Robotech version, is the superior version, and and sees this supposed uh, you know persecution where there is none, and goes as far as well, I, you know what? I'll get back up a little bit. To say that there is no no single Macross fan that actively antagonizes Robotech fans would would be false, because I'm sure there's a couple of them. Yeah. But at the same time is, I imagine you'd have to pretty much look for this fight. Yeah. But I, I imagine if you go around your normal day talking to people that like the same things you like, you won't find this fight coming to you. You will have to go and find this fight yourself. Yeah, and more often what you're going to find is just Macross fans aggravated with Robotech specifically and not with the fans because the way the way the Macross fans see it is like uh, the reason why we can't get other Macross shows, more, most specifically Do You Remember Love, the movie, 
is because Harmony Gold has such a stranglehold on everything, and and you know it's kind of it's kind of annoying when there's this other franchise that can barely get off the ground, and like maybe once in 20 years we'll release something barely, and that's the reason why this other superior product cannot get a foothold in America. That gets kind of annoying after a while. Yeah. And and Neil's correct that it is a superior product. I mean, yeah. you know, love Robotech in in what it did to, for the American market for anime because it did do a bit, yeah. but it that 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 day is gone. That day is gone. It's like okay, there was this thing. Now there's something better. Yeah. And by the way, we we are we do acknowledge that there are some macro shows that are not very good. It's like whatever. That I, I hate Frontier. I fucking yeah, hate Frontier. Frontier. Frontier is awful. And. In in rope in like I said, Macross isn't by far isn't perfect even the way it aired. There are some episodes that are just out like wonky, but <laughs> it's it's still it's it's still the, the fact that we want everyone to be able to see all versions, mm-hmm. and because of Harmony Gold holding this trademark, they sort of have this stranglehold in 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 like stopping that, and that's the only thing that I think we really want to get across is we want everyone to be able to see all versions, make up their own minds and see what's better. It's sort of like this. It's uh Neil, do you know what super sentai is? Uh, that would be, uh, that would be the power Rangers before they were power Rangers. Yeah. That's, it would be the better product before, before there were power Rangers. Yeah. Yes. Um, for, for years I sort of saw power Rangers as this weird kitty thing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really interested in it at all because it's like, oh, there's this weird kitty thing where they use stock Japanese footage. Okay, whatever. And then Pablo, my friend Pablo Prano, uh, he showed me lots of Super Sentai. And you know what? I kind of like it now. I, I won't go on my way to watch a lot of it, but I, I kind of like it now because the one thing that Super Sentai does that Power Rangers really doesn't do is – it doesn't take itself fucking seriously. Right. It, it Because Power Rangers sort of killed itself on doing years and years of forced interlocking continuity. Well, Super Sentai is like Super Sentai is like a nod and a wink, tongue in cheek. It's it's sometimes it plays like airplane as but how much itself paradise paradises itself. Yeah. And and I think that's hilarious. You know, someone who's like, I have this huge thing that's 40 fucking years long, but you know what? I'm not going to take it seriously because, you know, it's just a bunch of guys in costumes fighting each other wearing cardboard boxes. But you know what? That comparison was made, you know, the Super Sentai versus Power Rangers versus uh, versus uh, Macross and Robotech. And I don't even think that's an apt comparison because Power Rangers at least exists Whereas, you know, Robotech, like I said, maybe in like 20 years, something will come out, but probably won't go anywhere. Whereas, you know, Power Rangers is thriving and it's aggravating. It's like, why can't you just give us Macross if you can't get Robotech going? That's a good point because it's because Macross, there is tons of Macross that we still don't have. Yeah, give us the goddamn movie. I mean, maybe Macross 7. I mean, it's, but they, but they want to give us Robotech Sentinels. Yeah, they keep trying to do that. And the thing is, they actually... I, I remember hearing from that, that Losers video uh, that that the, they want to do a, start a comic series again, but can't because of funds. I'm like, really? Hmm. Because compared to doing new animation, doing a new comic series is fucking cheap. 
We're talking about something that would be like a one percent the cost of doing a new animated something, and they do new animated, you know, Robotech shit every ten years. It looks like shit, but they keep doing it. And, but they can't find the funds to do a new comic series. I know. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Oh, now I remember the other thing I was gonna bitch about was that uh, at one point in Johnny Millennium's video, he 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 just holds up this Robotech, you know, art of our Robotech book, and it's from the Sentinels, and and this other guy basically strawmans the hell out of him because Johnny goes, nobody really liked the Sentinels, and he's like, so are you saying that nobody liked the cartoon that never aired, huh? And I'm like, that's not what he said. And I'm sure that Johnny was talking about the comic because that comic went on for like ten years. And it was ridiculous. And no, nobody did like it. Nobody fucking read it. I know lots of people who collect weird, obscure comics. I've never seen anyone who had a fucking Robotech that's not in those comics. Well, that's because they're worthless. Yeah, they are worthless. I He showed the art. I'm like, that's kind of shitty art. <laughs> they are worthless. I mean, it, it's not even, from a, not even from a collector's point of view. Someone who wants to have weird things in their collections. Let's just say someone who wants to have weird things in their collections that might not even be worth much. They would not pick that up because it's not worth anything because it's like oh it's robotech the sentinels okay that's not exactly a conversation piece well something like uh some of the earlier edition archies where they they have some questionable art that that's worth more money yeah and part of it is that i don't think it's very interesting to read a comic series where the 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 premise seems to be to take those original three shows and make sure that they're tied together as much as possible as opposed to, you know, just telling a story. And I'm not saying that there aren't, like, good stories in there. I'm just saying that... No, 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 you're actually most, right. You're, you're for right. the most, most part, the... it's all it's all just like, see, all three of these shows are meant to be together the whole time. You're right. It's continuity duct tape. Mm-hmm. That's what the, that's what most of the, the Robotech comics are. They're continuity duct tape. And like I said, there's somewhere they try to add Voltron to it, and it's like, like I said, it's like, this is already a mess. Adding more shit on top of it isn't going to make it better. There was a time when... You might as well it, put in Exo Squad. I was going there. <laughs> they were going to do it, Neil. They were going to do it. And, it, and like I said, adding another series to it isn't going to make it better. I mean, what what's next? You're going to throw uh, Captain Harlock in there? Maybe the Queen of a Thousand Years? Don't joke, they might. <laughs> I mean, Captain Tyler. It's all in the same universe. Shit. I mean, that many crossovers, you might as well might as well have Doug Walker show up. <laughs> oh boy! It's speaking of which, I sent Neil a funny link I saw today. Um, I don't think you watched. Is a YouTube link, Neil? Oh, I, did, I don't think I saw it. Okay, well, basically, what happened was Doug Walker did this video called the uh, the top eleven things that were good with the prequels, and someone that took this video and intercut it with uh, with uh, Mr. Plinkett's prequel reviews. So every time Doug Walker says something good about the prequels, it cuts immediately to what Mr. Plinkett said about why that certain element was shit. I have to watch this now. <laughs> And, and every time Mr. Plinkett finishes talking, there's a shot of Doug looking more and more aggravated and pissed off. <laughs> and this, it, like I said, the thing is this: is lots of um, 
Also, Mr. Plinkett's points were points that I made originally. Um, because lots of the points that Doug makes are like fucking brain dead stupid. Um, Doug argues that the sword choreography was better in the prequels. They aren't. It's worse. It's more choreographed. It's more fake looking. Um, Take it from someone who knows a thing about sword fighting, and I do know a thing about sword fighting, is is it looks fake. It looks like, okay, I'm going to swing here, and you're going to put your sword there, kind of sword, fake sword fighting, versus I'm aiming for your vital points, and you're trying to stop me from killing you, which, you know, even the, um, even the old man Obi-Wan versus old man Vader from uh, episode four, it looks weird, but it's actually one of the most correct sword fights in fiction in, in cinema history because you notice the two of them are taking very careful steps towards each other and they're keeping the blades like aimed at the opponent's eye you know both hands yeah. forward you know this this that's actually that's what sword fighting looks like and uh and uh, like i said it's just hilarious because uh because the thing is you know doug walker like gushes over the action yoda and Mr. Plinkett talks about how that betrays Yoda's character. And that's something I've said since episode two came out that I felt that Yoda was a character. He was a sage. He was, he was, he was a, a wise man, a mentor. He was, he was never supposed to be a warrior. Well, you can tell just by his size, he's not meant to be a warrior. In fact, half the, uh, the Jedi from the prequels, it's like, these are not characters who should be swinging lightsabers. There's like yes. one guy who's got dreads, another guy who's got a big long neck, you know, <laughs> That's like, like Lincoln said, I know what I'd aim at. <laughs> yes. I mean, it just—it's just like a whole trilogy of question begging. It's like, why does this not happen? <laughs> Are you gonna know what the long neck Jedi Master's name is? What? Yariel Poof. Remember, Neil. If they show up on screen, even for a second, I know. They have a spot in the extended universe. They have a name and a story. <laughs> Yeah, it's two brains. Put a blindfold on, pause it anywhere, and just point your finger at the screen. When you open your eyes, that character will have a... The character you're pointing at will have a story. He has two brains, one in his skull and one in his chest cavity. Oh, god damn it. (laughs) Thought you'd enjoy that. Uh, It's it's actually ridiculous. I mean, uh, I I mean, even Plinkett makes makes fun of some of the fucking names. That's because they're stupid. I hate the prequel names. (laughs) Fisto. Kit Fisto, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, that that always conjures up visuals that I dare not even describe. And, you know, talk about ridiculous. I know this isn't in the movies, but there not there, like, a, a, a hut that's a Jedi? Yes. It makes no fucking sense. Why would there be a hut Jedi? Why would he have a laser sword? <laughs> because he's, he's actually, like, buff in the chest and, like, can, like slither really fast or I, I don't know I didn't read the, that comic it's like he's not hard to hit since apparently the, the prequels also established that if you if you gang up on the Jedis with a bunch of uh, stormtroopers and shoot them you can kill them as that one guy did who, whose name I cannot remember the guy who has like the big forehead who just goes oh. down like a chump yes it's like if, if that guy can go down there's no way you could have a hut Jedi who would last five minutes on the battlefield the problem I have is is them finding all these extra Jedis for all this other extended universe thing. I mean, the one thing that I always got was, okay, Luke's this last Jedi. He's He's got to restart the whole order. 
But he's got to get through this war first, then he'll restart the whole order. But then you have Rebels where there's these other new Jedis. It's like, I, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought there was only, like, Luke. Because they're, the they're, they're betting the whole thing on Luke doing it. Yeah. It's like, what's, what, what's up with these other guys? Sort of cheapens the whole Luke story, I think. Yeah, it's, it gets a little like Dragon Ball Z where it's like, there, there's there's one legendary Saiyan, and then like over the course of the series, there there's like six, seven, eight, nine of them. <laughs> if not more. Yeah. Not just the kids, it's like Broly, and I know there's a couple others. There's... there's uh, Tarble. Yeah. There's the guy from Tree of Might, although I guess he doesn't really count. I guess not. Yeah, because that... That's obviously non-canonical. I can't believe I even talk about canon and Dragon Ball. Yep. Well, I think that's all we'll have to say right now, but do you want to yeah. watch this video with me, Neil? Yeah, I can watch something. All right, well, let me give you the link into yeah. the uh, Skype, and we'll sync at zero, and we will yeah. watch this shitty video where yeah. we have Mr. Plinkett responds. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll put it in the... I won't, rec I won't like, put, put our commentary in in the show but i will put like it in the show i'll put the video in the show notes yes and hopefully the the uh listeners won't be too annoyed with me eating crackers through the whole show yes cheese right. and crackers yeah <laughs>